0: Let the Become Your Vision Podcast be the inspiration you need to step into greater things. Now let's go. Hi. Welcome back to the show. Today I have an interview for you. Her name is Shannon. She is very Shannon Riley. She's very passionate. Passionate I I feel like in all of her beliefs, especially her sobriety and you may be thinking like okay I don't have a problem with drinking and that's that's the subject matter we're going to be talking about but I'm sure you have some kind of excessive habits Uh, possibly maybe it is an addiction Um, and maybe that's not alcohol but you have some type of coping mechanism we all do of some sort that can be excessive, things like shopping or exercise, social media that is highly addictive. It could be maybe sex, Um, whatever it is. This excessive habit at times, a source, lets you forget about what is really going on in your life. It's like that easy fix that first thing you can grab that kind of just like lets you tune out lets you just escape for a little bit and because of that you're not able to fully or you're not able to choose uh to really dive deep into the problem or the issues at hand and in this episode you will learn about um Shannon and how she was choosing to drink to mask her social anxiety and drinking became uh, a crutch, a crutch for her. She also shares how the commitment that she made to herself kind of, um, overshadowed all the other things that she was using to get past this, um, period period in her life and uh that was really profound talking about the commitment she made um that's what I found most profound in her in her journey so I hope you're able to apply at least one thing you hear today to your own life and someone that you care about unfortunately we did not get into the recovery tools that her place of work synchronicity offers I wanted to we just time ran out but my goal is to have an episode devoted to all of that where we talk about cryotherapy where we talk about infrared saunas when we talk about cold plunge all of that good stuff that helps with um healing healing your mind healing your body coping with anxiety all of that um all of those resources so I hope to have somebody that is very knowledgeable in those areas possibly the owner um but I will keep you guys posted on that and I hope you enjoy this episode Hi, guys. Welcome back to the show. Thanks for tuning in today. I love that you chose us to listen to. Today, I have a guest. Her name is Shannon Riley, and I think you are really going to love what she has to say. So Shannon Riley is an online life coach and specializes in helping willing individuals expand their mindset to wake up their true potential. Shannon has been sober since January 1st, 2020, and it's the best thing she has ever done. So welcome to the show, Shannon.
1: Hello. Thanks for having me.
0: Of course. Do you go by Shannon or Shan?
1: Either way. I grew up as Shannon, and then honestly, Shan just clicked when I was making the Instagram because Shan's wellness was an yeah. option, and like, I didn't even think of Shannon's wellness. I don't know. It doesn't ring to it. Um, so it's kind of been Shan ever
0: since then, but (laughs) I'm like, you sent me the bio and I was like, is it Shannon or Shan? I always like to ask because, you know, somebody can be like, and they'll call me that or whatever. (laughs) Yeah, no, either is good. Okay, cool. So Shannon and I met at, um, a place in Charleston called, and I always butcher this name. I'm going to try to say it uh, correctly. Is it synchronicity? Yes. There you go. Ooh, I've been working on it. So <laughs> it is, it's really neat. It's so cool. Something I've never experienced before, but um, so basically they have different means of recovery there. So there's a cold plunge where you sit in this freezing cold water, just like it sounds there's infrared saunas. There's, is it a salt, salt thing?
1: Salt booth. Yep
0: salt booth. What else did I do? Oh, the cryotherapy. Mm -hmm. That's where you stand in this like really cold thing. And you may be asking yourself, like, why would I ever do any of that? That sounds awful. So we'll get into the benefits of each of those here in, um, a little while, but what I found so interesting about you. So we were talking at, um, synchronicity and, You started asking me questions and uh, I said, I did a podcast and then you said, oh, I have a podcast. I'm like, that's really cool because I don't meet a lot of women who have their own podcast. So then I started looking you up on Instagram, just trying to get to know you a little bit more. And then I saw that you were sober and I don't know why that's such a, I don't know, thing that I feel like is still taboo, you know, because people are starting to talk about it. Like maybe you don't have, or quote unquote, maybe a drinking problem, but you just don't like how alcohol or whatever other addiction you have makes you, makes you feel. So, um, I want to talk about that with you today.
1: Yeah, for sure. We can dig into it.
0: Yes. Okay. So January 1st, 2020. So what made you first decide then? Was there something that led up to your decision in wanting to become sober?
1: Yeah. So it's so interesting to think back that long ago, cause it feels long ago, but it also feels like yesterday. Mm-hmm. So during 2019, I had gone through this like long process of, pretty superficial personal development I'm doing air quotes for the people Mm. listening (laughs) Um, yeah so Mm. it was a lot of kind of like masculine energy in the sense of like do 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 rah rah rah, discipline power through like and I'm from the northeast where that's like my blood like I Mm. was raised you know It's like being Jon Snow, like just in the freezing cold, rub some dirt on it. My family's motto is don't be a baby, suck it up, like Mm. hardcore David Goggins type mindset. (laughs) And there is a time and a place for that. And 2019 was my time and place for it. And there are, of course, benefits that come from that. You know, I was in the best, eh, I'll say this again with air quotes, best shape of my life. Mm. But it was all on the surface. Everything underneath was... I mean, health-wise probably destroyed and mindset-wise was just like, you know, don't even bother looking around in here. Like just Mm. keep reading your books, keep reading all the hardcore books of like Grant Cardone, David Goggins, Brenda Bouchard, which are great authors. Like I love those books, but again, it's not super reflective, if that makes sense. So to bring this into drinking throughout that year, I was living in downtown Charleston until like Mm mid-May. And when I was in downtown Charleston, I took it upon myself to be a crazy drunk. I was out drinking four nights a week minimum. I was every time I drank, I was blackout drunk. There was no in between like zero to 100 very quickly. I was not able to go out without being hammered. Like I Mm -hmm. had to pregame. And it's really funny, because that was my kind of process. And that was in the end of 2019, too, because I, gra- I graduated in 2018 from Clemson. And then I moved down to Charleston. And I was like, this is amazing. It's a new city. Let's have so much fun. Clemson's in the middle of nowhere. This is an actual city. Let's go to King Street. Let's like that. And like, Mm -hmm. Just decided upon myself to go crazy a little bit. And I do think there's a time and a place for that. I think there are a lot of lessons if you allow yourself to find them. So I went through that process. And when I moved out of downtown Charleston and into Mount Pleasant, literally just that barrier of the bridge was like, wow, I'm actually like really tired and really hungover. Like that took a while to actually... (laughs) Recognize like, damn, like that's a lot of work to live that lifestyle. Like, oh yeah. I know it's it's completely glamorized on social media and in movies and reality TV, like drinking is one billion percent romanticized, and that's not by accident. And for me, that simple barrier of the the Ravenel Bridge for some reason allowed me to breathe for a second. And so in June of 2019, that was my first like sober month. And I was kind of doing it intentionally. I also was like, to be honest with you, that masculine energy of like, I want to make a ton of money this month. I want to crush my business. Let's go. (laughs) So yeah, it was great. Like I was quote unquote sober and I was by the books, but I was addicted to something else. I was addicted to making money and signing Mm -hmm. people up. I was a beach body coach. I no longer do that anymore. And I was Gun ho on that. I was like, let's go. It's Mm -hmm. such a great community, and Beachbody gave me so many incredible things. Unlike a lot of ex MLMers or ex Beachbody people, I don't crap all over it. Like, I have a lot of gratitude for it. It got me to where I am today. And I think it's ridiculous to be like, that thing sucks. Like, yeah. So in that month, I was just addicted to something else. So great, I wasn't drinking. However, I will also say I was smoking so much jewel, like on un- totally addicted to jewel. Jewel, uh, I'm Juul. such a- it's, it- like a... it's like a little vape. It's like the little rectangle vape that a lot of people okay. have now. And you'll see the commercials for them. They're so unbelievably awful for you. And okay. they're so addicting, like more yeah. than cigarettes, which I used to smoke those when I was drunk and hungover, so constantly. When I was drinking and Mm -hmm. I was smoking Jewel and Jewel again, because in that time of my life, in my beach body phase, I was trying to be skinny. I was trying to be skinny. Skinny meant make more money. Skinny, money, skinny, money. How Mm -hmm. small can you be? And so, again, to tie this into drinking again, you know, I was a quote unquote health coach during the week, but I was a blackout drunk smoking Jewel all the time, also during the week, like just all the Mm -hmm. time. And so, you know, while I was a quote unquote health coach, I wasn't healthy at all. Mm. And so I went through this very long process of being like, I don't want to live this way. Like mm-hmm. I don't want to be addicted to work. I don't want to be addicted to Jewel. I don't want to be addicted to caffeine. I don't want to be addicted to drinking. I don't want mm-hmm. any of this shit. And mm-hmm. somebody that I knew through Beachbody, her and I were very similar in the drinking aspects and the partying aspects. And she was a couple years, well, like 10 years older than me. And she you know, kind of was where I wanted to be in life. Like had a marriage, had a kid, had a house, had a dog, like just had the life. Right. And I remember Mm -hmm. she called me one day and it's funny, I was actually leaving therapy and I was like, you should just go take my therapy appointment that I just had.
0: (laughs) And uh,
1: she was like in her most pure anxiety state, like just pure dripping anxiety and she had just gone on a three-day bender over the weekend she went and visited somebody and was just drinking the whole weekend i mean she facetimed me at 3 p.m on friday hammered so like that's the weekend Mm -hmm. which is fine like if you want to do that by all means go for it but also remember that like probably going to be hung over and anxious for a week. And she was, mm-hmm. and she called me and she, I will just never, and it was like a two hour call. So this is like literally five seconds of that two hours, but I will never forget her saying Shannon, I am, I think she was 33 Shannon, I'm 33 years old and I have no idea who the F I am. Mm-hmm. And that slapped me across the face as if, you know, she was like dumping pour- cold water on me mm-hmm. or setting me on fire. Like I just, I felt that so deeply to my core because I felt so connected to her, but I also saw my future looking like hers. And it was that moment that I finally actually heard everything that my parents had told me growing up of like, stop drinking. Like you do, like you're crazy drunk, like stop drinking. But of Mm. course we don't listen to our parents.
0: right. (laughs) But it was
1: in that moment, listening to her that I finally actually heard them. And yeah. that was in August. I started going to therapy in the end of August. Actually, it was in the very beginning of September. So I'd done sober June, but I was just addicted to something else. Mm. So then after that, I did sober October. And that one was with more of an intention of being sober. Mm. And I just like did that. And it was, it was fine. You know, it wasn't, I was still kind of pushing beach money, but I wasn't, I was not nearly as addicted to it as I used to be. Mm-hmm. And then the year went on and I told myself like, oh, like I, I can be sober, you know, I can control myself, I can just have wine. And what I noticed was that when I was home and I just had like a glass of wine with my boyfriend, I don't even like wine. Mm. <laughs> like I literally don't like it. I was just doing it because it's romanticized. It's the moment of like clinking, a cheersing, a glass of wine and the Chardonnay, and blah, 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 like just a bunch of BS. It's marketing that is running through my mind. And then when I was recognizing that when I went out in public, that's when I would go hard in the Mm. freaking paint. And it was because I've always had social anxiety, like that Mm. was my way to numb that out. And I always felt pressure to be this like it girl. I don't know why. I think it's again, that like masculine, like be the best person ever Mm. type of energy paired with being a girl. And you know, just, I didn't, I had a great childhood. Like I didn't have any like severe childhood trauma. I didn't have anything, you know, crazy. I like to call that like capital T trauma. Like I didn't have that. But the thing about every single human being, everybody listening to this right now, we all have lowercase trauma and -hmm. it might just be a moment that you remember my lowercase moment no one in my family remembers, not anyone. That's how lowercase it was. Mm-hmm. I remember it was probably like four years old. I was sitting on a beanbag watching TV and my whole family was over and they were on the couch behind me. And this is, I have a big family. So there's a mm-hmm. lot, of, there's like 10 people and they're mm-hmm. all adults behind me. I'm the youngest. And I remember turning around and they were all pointing and laughing probably at the TV. But in my mind, when you're from zero to seven, you're imprinting, you're also in your egocentric stage, which those two different things mean imprinting means you're taking in your environment and you're scanning it for like, this is how the world works. Mm. Then autistic stage. Isn't like you're a narcissist. It simply just means that you take in what's happening in the environment instead of saying, Oh, my family behind me is pointing and laughing at the TV that I'm also watching that's in front of me. It's mm-hmm. not that it's my family is pointing and laughing at me and there's something wrong with me and the TV isn't a part of this. It's about mm. me. And so that again, lowercase T moment of trauma that stayed in my mind repressed, which means you don't know it's there forever until mm. like a year into therapy. And I was like, holy shit, like this makes sense. Yeah. So for me, and again, this all ties into drinking, like I drank because of that. I didn't want to be laughed at. I wanted to be accepted. We are tribal human beings. As much as you want to say, I'm a lone wolf. Like I don't need anybody. I have trust issues. Stop. We evolved to be tribal human beings. We thrive off of human connection, whether you like it or not. So if Mm. you're stripping yourself away from that, what do you think is going to (laughs) happen? Well, not anything good. We saw
0: that with COVID, you know, a lot of people were separated. A lot of anxiety, depression went up because there was this lack of, connection, social connection, um, physically, you know, maybe we, Mm -hmm. the amount of time we were spent on social media increased, also causing anxiety and depression. But I heard from my friends who have kids in school, they're like, well, they have a lot of social anxiety now because they really didn't get to practice that skill for a solid year, 18 months, or depending on, you know, how long your child was out of school. But yeah. Now, did you find, I was trying to get to that when you said the social anxiety, that's when it clicked for me. And that's why a lot of people drink is you're in these uh, social environments. I am a, I, I feel like we all have social anxiety to an extent. There is um um, a layer to that though, when you feel like your social anxiety is hindering you from showing up as the person that you want to be, and it's affecting your well being. But when you said that, I was like, oh, so there was something there that you were masking, trying to cover where you felt uncomfortable. And because you drank it almost, you know, where the line comes, liquid courage came from, gave you the confidence to be in a situation where you didn't feel um your most confident did you find after i guess this this trauma as a child um was it hard for you to connect with other people
1: yeah definitely i'm also an only child
0: and oh, yeah. the
1: youngest of a big family my mom is one of five my dad's one of eight they have like 30 mm-hmm. something cousins they were all kind of far away mm-hmm. and the ones that were close um were a lot older than me Mm. And they like babysat me. So I kind of always felt somewhat alone. And I was okay with that. I still am okay with that. I think that that serves me on such a deep level now that I'm aware of all of these things. But when I was not aware, when it was like really buried within me and held in my body, Mm. I, it really impacted me and it drove me to drink because drinking you know, what I like to tell people, alcohol is a really great best friend. Like it never Mm -hmm. messes up, right? Like it's always there for you. It's inexpensive. It has a wide variety of options. It's always down no matter what time of day or wherever you are. Mm -hmm. It's always there for you. And so drinking, I remember the first time I got like drunk, it was problematic drinking. I was drinking. The first time I got drunk, I was blackout drunk. Like that's how Mm -hmm. it started. And it was because the first time I, you know, you drink and this is like so distant to me, but also still like yesterday. Mm -hmm. And not even like the last time I drank, but the very first time I drank when I was like, what, 13, 14 years old, it feels so far away. But again, like it's right next to me too. I just remember that feeling of that anxiety going away for the Mm -hmm. very first time in my life. And Mm -hmm. I was like, this this is it. Like, this is the real world. This is how I should be living. Oh my God, this is amazing. And everything kind of like somehow went from like normal, like dull lighting to like enhanced. It's like Mm -hmm. enhancing a picture where you click auto on your iPhone and it just makes it beautiful. Mm -hmm. And it like, that's what alcohol did for me. Mm -hmm. And that's a really freaking dangerous thing. And knowing that you know, I'm, I'm well aware of that now. And I'm like, I'm lucky, honestly, that an addiction didn't come out of that because that's how it starts. It's mm-hmm. like, oh, and it's perfectly glamorized. Everything is perfect. Nothing is wrong. And part of that is because of that enhancement in your perception. And then it's kind of fed, or like, if that's the fire, the gasoline being poured on the fire is the freaking marketing around it. Like, mm-hmm. everybody drinks. You're an alcoholic if you don't drink. It's like, no, I'm not. Like, I don't wake up feeling the need to drink. Like, that's not my story and there's Mm -hmm. nothing wrong with being an alcoholic, but there are other options and an option can just be like, this messes up my perception more so than just like, Oh, I'm a little tipsy. Like Mm -hmm. this makes me look at like maybe an ax murderer, like someone who wants to hug me. Like, (laughs) I think there's a problem (laughs) that is You kind of have to read the situation of like, yeah, good, good for you. You're not waking up wanting to drink. And Mm -hmm. like by that measure, you're quote unquote, not addicted. Awesome. Mm. Congrats. Here's a gold star. But if it makes you see reality in a way that is hindering your quality of life, Mm -hmm. especially your sense of self and your self-awareness and your relationships, maybe, maybe, should I idea don't drink. Like, it's just a super simple thing. But again, because of the romanticizing on TV, you know, for me, a big part of my story too. And I still watch it now. I didn't really watch Disney growing Mm -hmm. up. I watched the real housewives, all of them. I grew up on those crazy ladies and I Mm -hmm. watch it now the reruns and I'm like, Oh my God, like, no wonder I am the way I am. Look at them. Like they're crazy. And they all are like on that teetering line of like not maybe not alcoholics, but problematic drinkers of like Mm -hmm. something even slightly bad happens in a real housewife's life, which is like, Mm. they have the wrong nail color. It's not that big of a deal. (laughs) And then it's like, I need a drink. Someone give me champagne. It's 9am on a Tuesday drink like now. And they're all in, they're all done up and they're glamorized, like literally glamorized and they're always drinking. And so I'm Mm. like, well, duh, like this is what I watched growing up. This was my kind of perception of what women do, not Mm. only themselves, but to each other and how they have relationships. When they go out, when they do a a housewives trip, which is super fake, but whatever. I don't know that when I'm a kid, they're all drinking. And I'm like, okay, Mm. cool. So drinking means connection. Got it. And then when I drink, I feel connected to other people because my social anxiety pulls back. Mm. So it was just this vicious feedback loop of like, Oh, like, I'm just, I need to be connected to people. I want that feeling. I want a feeling of a sister. Like I never, I don't have yeah. a sister. So I wanted that. And alcohol was almost like the key to the door that superficially gave me that until you stopped drinking and you're like, wow, that was so fake. Like all of it. Yeah. So
0: hey, before we get back into the show, I want to ask you a question. And that is, are you looking for a convenient, affordable and most importantly, fun workout that you can do wherever whenever? Then I need to tell you about Bar Where You Are's on-demand workouts. So my girlfriend and fellow boss babe Heather McWright has created an amazing online platform with more than 100 different bar, yoga, and dance cardio workouts that are available at the touch of your fingertips. Whether you prefer working out at home, you're planning on going on vacation and don't want to stop your fitness routine then bar where you are is just what you need. So they have these workouts ranging from 15 minutes to an hour and they literally have everything that you need. And lucky for you, Become Your Vision listeners are getting access to 10% off your first month. All you have to do is head to barwhereyouaresc.com slash online workouts, click Subscribe now and enter promo code Become Your Vision for 10% off your first month. I will leave that in the show notes and I promise you you won't regret it. And- so can we talk about that expand? So for for you, it was like, you know, it was romanticized. Talk about um like finding your path because there are people that are listening that are like, okay, well, I'm not, I don't need to drink four days a week. I don't need to go you know, a wall and just, you know, I can have a glass of wine and be totally chill. Um, you know, what was that like? Because it sounds like you took, you were drinking and then you started, um, doing, I guess, smoking or vaping jewel. It was kind of simultaneous. Like I started drinking
1: when I was again, a teenager
0: and smoking
1: happened like in college. Yeah. And then vaping was after college. Uh, Okay very briefly, but like in that brief little moment, it was a lot.
0: Yeah. So talk about this transition of, you know, we talked about in in a message that we exchanged that for you, I guess your mindset came first before your sobriety. Talk to us about like making, because a lot of people drink or um, use food to mask whatever they are going through that. So that is their their sense of coddling that's their blanket it's their escape how and you also mentioned well i'm asking a lot of questions at the same time how did you find start that transition of finding yourself and internalizing what makes shannon shannon
1: mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely began at that moment of my friend saying, I don't know who I am. Like Mm -hmm. that really opened that door for me because before then it was all like the mindset books and personal development books about like doing and nothing about being. Mm -hmm. And that has been kind of the whole transition of my life recently is like, I mean, I'm still doing things like I have a business run, I have a job, I have a relationship, I have an apartment, like I got plants that I got to keep alive. (laughs) all the things I'm still doing things, but it is so much more about being. So to kind of bring it back, you know, for me, it was that period from June to the end of 2019. So six months of just being purely sober curious and sober curious to me just means like you're thinking about it. Like it's as blunt and simple as it sounds, but it looks very different for a lot of different people. You know, Mm -hmm. I did two sober months throughout that. And then like the other months, I mean, I wasn't drinking like I used to drink. So it wasn't like I was out four nights a week. Um, So I really feel like I pumped the brakes for those six months. And what I can say is that, Sober curiosity feels like purgatory. You're just Mm -hmm. like, you have one foot in and one foot out. You don't know which way your momentum is going. And because of that, you feel unstable. And it's not fun to be unstable. Like one of the six basic human needs is certainty. And if you're putting yourself on what feels like a balance beam, and you're mm. not a gymnast, then you're going against that need for certainty and security and safety within yourself. Mm. And I was doing that. And I needed to do that. I learned a lot in that process, but it was really doing like a lot of heavy mindset work and therapy. And I just, you know, there's a couple moments with my therapist of what she just said to me. And it felt like someone slapping me across the face again. Of course she didn't, <laughs> but right. it felt like it. And one of the things she said was, I was like, Shannon, are you drinking because it goes well with the dinner, or because you can't stand to be in the room? Mm. And I was like, Oh, I hate that you're so right. Like, oh, because mm. it just it opens that door of again social anxiety was my biggest thing. And it's like, when are you going to face this? Like, are you just going to keep masking it? Like, what are you going to really do about this? And mm-hmm. what will? come out of this? Like, how Mm. are you going to get to the other side? And her asking me that question, like really opened that door for me. Mm. And it's funny. I always like to tell people whenever they're sober curious or getting sober, all the things I don't like to view it as like this deep, dark, gloomy thing that you need to like keep hidden in a corner. Obviously Mm. right now, I talk about it very openly because it's something I'm incredibly proud of. Like Mm -hmm. I'm more proud about that process than I am about like losing weight. Like who cares? Like that's just, anybody can do that. Like if you really put your mind to it, you can do it. Mm -hmm. But in this society that is completely obsessed with not only drinking, but binge drinking and problematic drinking, it's a big freaking feat to get over Mm -hmm. that. And so mm-hmm. for me, a big thing that I love to bring light to that process, <laughs> like just makes me laugh and hopefully it makes other people laugh is like in 2019, it, if you look at my bank account, like my bank statement, it goes like bar, 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 grocery store to get drinks <laughs> and then like a gas station to get jewel pods, bar, 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 brunch, 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 like all of it. It's just like drinking, partying. And you can tell on that bank statement. And then in June it halts. And that's when I like made a lot of money. Right. And that mm-hmm. was my goal. And I did. And then it goes therapy, 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 therapy. <laughs>
0: mm-hmm, yeah.
1: It's funny because it really was that shift of like, okay, like draw a line in the sand. What do you want out of your life? Like,
0: mm-hmm.
1: do you want to keep doing that? Cause you can't, is always an option to do that. Even now, like I'm a, a year and nine months sober. I can go back to that. Like mm-hmm. any single that I want. And I'm not scared of it. Like it's an option, Mm. but another option is a completely different life. And you need to be able to do like vision work. That's really where it came from for me, which is why I'm so grateful for Beachbody because Beachbody made me do vision work. Mm. And it was like, what do you want for your life? Mm. If time and money isn't an issue, what does your life look like? And when I started answering and visualizing that question, nowhere In any of the pieces that came up in my mind or in my journal or whatever, did I have a drink in my hand or was Mm. I drunk or was I drinking or Mm. was I doing things surrounded by drinking? Mm. And so I had to recognize that and be like, this isn't what I actually want. Like, I don't want this. So it's coming down to a point of like, I need to choose to either repeat or evolve and change. Mm. And in the beginning, it's the hardest as with anything, as with weight loss, as with a new job, a new book, like whatever, it's Mm. always the most difficult in the beginning. And I was like, I just need to face it. Like there's no better time to do this. And right now there's no reason to wait. The longer I wait, the worse it will be. Mm. So I'm just going to do it. And I'm just going to take it one day at a time. And January of 2020, that's when I started doing that. I actually went to a big beach body event out in LA first weekend of February. So I did, I would tell myself I was doing dry January. And then the first weekend in February, I was out in LA and I had people offering me drinks, like those expensive drinks I would never pay for myself because they're ridiculous. But I had someone offering me and I was just like, honestly, like, I don't want to do that right now. Like I would rather just, I remember I got a kefir soda. It was like a fancy Shirley temple for adults. Like I don't Hmm. even know was really in there. But I just remember that was the first time that I really broke that pattern outside of like a sober October or dry June or dry January. And I just recognized in that moment, like I don't want to feel that way right now.
0: Mm.
1: Right now, in this moment, in the next 60 minutes, that's not my goal. My goal is to sit here with these women and talk and have a good dinner and have fun and then go home and go to bed. I gotta get, I gotta get up really early tomorrow to do a workout and have this heavy training, like all this different stuff. And it was just like, I don't need it right now. And so Mm. that really allowed me to keep that process going and then COVID hit and there was Mm. the quarantine. And for me, lockdown was one of the best things that ever happened to me because it really created a space for me to get sober my way how Mm. I wanted to without feeling external pressure of like, well, then, you know, you still need to go out to a bar and stand around with these people. Like, actually, no, I don't. I literally hate it. Like, I want to go to bed at 8 PM. I don't like dark places. I don't like loud noises and I don't like strangers. Sorry. I don't like, why do you, that's that social anxiety. So duh going to a bar is the worst case scenario for me. Mm -hmm. like And I never would have learned that without lockdown of being like, okay, like, where can I be around drinking? Like, where is that even an option? Going to can you a bar- can you
0: expand on that? So, are you yeah. uncomfortable around people that do drink? Is it
1: no? I really don't mind. I'm uncomfortable around people who binge drink and do it as kind of like a joke and like make jokes about binge drinking specifically. Mm-hmm. If someone's having a glass of wine, like my boyfriend Matt, he still drinks. And he'll have a couple of beers with his friends or a glass of wine when I want to have my non alcoholic stuff. I don't care. If you're doing that, go for it. Personal decision. But for me, I protect my energy at literally all costs. Like I don't care what I have to do, what that payment is figuratively and literally I'll protect my energy. So Mm -hmm. being around people who are pursuing being hammered, not just Mm -hmm. like a little tipsy or having a drink. If you're trying to get hammered, I don't need to be there. You can do it on your own time. I'll see you in five days when you're not hangover or hungover with anxiety I don't want to be around it because I feel it and it mm-hmm. pulled, it sucks me back into it and it's just not worth it for me. Mm-hmm. I, the biggest thing that I had to work on was not judging people for drinking because I had, I truly had to recognize and believe to my core that people are doing the best that they can with what they have. Mm-hmm. And I did that for a very long time. And that's why I was blackout drunk four nights a week. So if I want to judge somebody who wants to get hammered at brunch once a month. Who am I to judge? Like, mm. I did that every week, sis. Like, I had a signed seat at Blind Tiger in downtown Charleston. <laughs> Those bartenders knew me. I got everything comped. I got that shit for free. Like, yeah. I ran it. I knew how to do that. I was good at it until mm-hmm. the next day when I couldn't feel my arms. Like, I was having alcoholic neuropathy where your mm-hmm. nerves were damaged. Like, yeah, I could do that. I'm well, I could do brunch, sis. Like, I'm good. But you're not seeing the other side of that. And no. I know for me that I can't judge someone doing that. That's mm. not fair at all. Because if I want to judge them, that is simply a projection of the avoidance of looking at my past and how I want to judge that part of me that did that stupid shit. Mm. Instead of judging her and healing that I'm just going to judge, you know, Becky at Brown Child blind tiger. Like that's easier. That's the mm-hmm. devil that, you know, it's super easy to be mean to people super mm-hmm. easy to be like, Oh my God. Like, do you know how bad alcohol is for you? It's literally gasoline. Like, you're so (laughs) stupid. Like, it is so easy to do. Yeah. Guess what? That's what they do in sex ed. That's what our parents do to us. That's what sometimes happens in AA, sometimes, not all the times. I'm not against AA at all. But to demonize it and like rip people to shreds because they still drink when you're sober is simply putting yourself up on a high horse and a pedestal, being like, look at me, I'm so perfect. And it's like, sit down. <laughs>
0: mm-hmm. All of
1: us are imperfectly perfect and you need to own that. And mm. the longer that you pull that card of like, I'm so great. Like mm, it's you're not healed. Sorry. You're just not, it's a projection.
0: Mm. And so, so what systems do you have in place that helped you get on the other side? Because that's, I mean, I I think about the transition to, okay, you know, when it comes to food and you're like feeling like crap about your body and you are constantly feeding it with fast food and highly processed things and you're just eating because it feels good at the moment, but you're not really thinking about the aftermath of what it's doing to your body, what it's doing to your mind. And there's a transition there. It's not, I, I refer back to like my own health journey. It was like, this is uncomfortable. What, and you're questioning everything. Is this what I'm supposed to be doing? Is this what it's supposed to feel like? Um, what are they doing? How can I emulate them? How is that going to affect me? So this, it's, it's awkward thing. I I want to know, is this kind of like what you experienced And how you got through that time of uncertainty, did you put in routines or um, just like non-negotiables? I think for
1: me, one of the best things that helped me in the very beginning was truly the concept of one day at a time. And I know it's kind of overstated, but for me, that meant like Again, like that dinner in LA, it was, that was one day at a time for me in practice. It was, do I need a drink in the next 60 minutes? No. Okay. That's it. That's all I'm focusing on. It actually wasn't one day at a time. It was one hour at a time. Mm -hmm. I could visualize 60 minutes and I could commit to 60 minutes, 61. I'll ask again and I will reassess then. But for the next 60 minutes, do I need a drink? Mm. And you never need a drink. If you're self-aware, you can sit down with yourself and be like, okay, I'm telling myself I need a drink. Actually, I have a funny story about that, but why? And then you'll mm. see the real feeling behind that. It's like Russian nesting doll- dolls. You keep opening them and there's something else there. Mm. I need a drink is the first one, or it was for me. So that really helped me was within the next 60 minutes, do I need a drink? No, I don't was always my answer. So that was it. And then going kind of in the opposite or maybe other end of the pendulum swing of that, I always ask myself like in one year, in five years, in 10 years, how do I want to look back on this moment? What do I want to be able to say that I did? And am I proud of that? What did I mm-hmm. learn from this moment? And there are always more lessons in holding onto that moment of being like, oh, I need to drink right now. Like, There's always a stronger lesson if you work through that. I don't mm-hmm. mean like press it and bury it and do what I did, which was get addicted to earning money or get addicted to caffeine or addicted to losing weight or addicted to whatever, or Mm. jewels, smoking. Like there's always another option, but sitting with that and being like, okay, like where is this actually coming from? Mm. What part of me is feeling this way? A big Mm. thing that I do with my coaching clients now, it's like parts work because we are, in, we have an internal committee sitting in our mind and we needed to know who's the leader and how to manage that to optimize our quality of life. Because we need to have a general consensus that all of the parts of us agree on. And then we can live fulfillment or live in fulfillment and in alignment and feel alive. Like the course mm-hmm. I'm making is called alive and aligned. And it came directly from that. It's like, how can I take all of these different parts within me and put them together? So they like each other. Mm. (laughs) And, you know, it's kind of the idea of like a bickering family or like a Hallmark family. That's like, oh my God, like girl picture, love you. Like, how can we get it to that? Because I want that, right. We want Mm -hmm. that connection and we want it within ourselves. Mm -hmm. So that was another one for me. I got in a little rant there, but um, 60 minutes at a time. Yeah. <laughs> what do I want to be able to say in one, five, two, ten, 10, whatever years or months, however long you want to project out into the future. Another thing for me was recognizing the simplicity of not drinking. Like mm. we over in the Western world, especially in America, we overcomplicate everything to justify not doing it and not trying and avoiding failure. Mm -hmm. And you can very simply do that with sobriety. But if you think about it, like airplane view is what I like to call it. It's like pulling back and making everything smaller and just being like, okay, what am I actually working with? What are the ingredients of this situation? What's the truth? What Mm -hmm. take my delusions out of this and my projections? What am I actually working with? Like Mm -hmm. tangible, hardcore facts. You cannot argue with them. And one of the things that I found within that was like sobriety is technically in action, like you don't have to do anything, you literally mm. don't have to do anything. That's how simple it is. Working mm. out, you have to have clothes, maybe you need supplements, you need to have water, you need to have a gym membership or dumbbells at home, and like that. You don't need a workout plan, like there's so much that goes into that, right? Mm-hmm. And you can't keep it super simple, of like, I'm gonna go for a walk today, like that's it, but you're still doing something, mm. like that's doing, that's action. Sobriety is literally, logically facts in action. You're not doing it. You're not drinking. Mm. And I think having that was like, (sighs) it really felt like a breath of fresh air for me. Cause I was like, Oh, thank God. I don't have another thing to do. (laughs) I don't have another thing on my habit tracker. I don't have another thing that I have to like manage. Like I don't have to do anything for this. Mm. And like I said before, that tapped me into being of like, Mm. okay, Let's just be in this moment. And like when that thought comes up of like, I need a drink, right? That's an action. That's the thing you have to do. You have to go to a bar or go pour yourself a drink, whatever, instead of doing, it was like, okay, let's just sit in the moment of being of like, okay, why do I say I need a drink? What part of me feels that and visualizing it and connecting with that part and simply nurturing it mm. being like, you know, Hey sis, maybe it's your inner child or sabotage yourself or inner judge, whatever it may be. You should be like, Hey, I hear you. I know that you're trying to keep me safe because this is what you've done in the past and it's worked on the super mm. surface level. I totally get that. I thank you for it. Like, seriously, I am so thankful to know that you have my back. That saves mm. me all the time. But I want you to just hear me on this. I want to try this instead. Let's try out journaling or calling my mom or hugging my stuffed animals or petting a dog. <laughs> like, whatever. Let's just try this alternative action to react to that response with and let's just see how it goes if you Mm. want to drink later you can we'll figure it out but let's just try this this one time and you have that conversation with that part of yourself Mm. and to me that's how I developed not only self-trust but self-leadership of like hey I can parent these parts of me like Mm. I don't need to call my mom that much and be like mom ah, ah," and like freak out right like that's why we call our mom it's in those moments of crisis I've gotten to a point where I can parent myself through that. I can coach myself through it, which is why I coach other people because yeah. I know it. Like I have been in the thick of it. And the best part about it is that I still am. Yeah. Like, I constantly have these problems. Like I'm not going to sit here again on that sober high horse of like, look at me, I'm so perfect. Like the process of A, just being sober, but also life in general. You know, I, on paper, got less healthy when I was sober because I didn't fully, and you're not going to heal this on day one of being sober. I didn't understand myself in the first month, let alone the first year. Mm -hmm. And because of that, I just started binge eating again. Like that's what I did in my childhood. And then I binge drank and now I'm binge eating again. Mm. And now a year and nine months into this, am I working through that and understanding it on a deeper level so that now I get to work on my health and quote, unquote, lose weight, which isn't my intention. It's simply about fueling my body well. Now I get to do that from a, st- a pure state of self-awareness of like, I know why I binge, period. Binge, mm. watch, TV. binge, eat, binge, drink, binge, jewel, binge, talk, binge, and shop, spend, earn, all of it. Like I know why mm. I binge and it's because I'm so, I used to be, and I'm working on it now, so fearful of the present moment. If mm. you're binging, it's because you are thinking there's not going to be anything in the future. So you have to have it now. Or I didn't have this in the past. So I need to have it now. In yeah. both scenarios, you are nowhere near the present moment. Your action is tying you to the now, but your mind is in the past or the future. And I knew that, like, again, I didn't want to live like that. Like, I want to be here right now. Mm-hmm. If I'm here right now, I can sit with the parts of me that want to binge something. Right. And so,
0: What do you feel like to the beginning story that you talked about? You were binging, binging, binging. And then now it's, you know, we can tell you've blossomed into doing all this um, internal work. Mm -hmm. Do you feel like therapy helped bridge that gap for you where you can get this to this place of like external to this place of more internal?
1: Absolutely. But it wasn't. The only thing, and it actually wasn't even the biggest thing mm. for me. I think a lot of people use therapy like a band-aid, the same way that we use workouts like a band-aid or supplements like a band-aid on a bullet wound. And you know, I don't know much about surgery other than like Gray's anatomy, scalpel, all the things. But I do know that there's a process in surgery and there are a lot of moving parts. It's the same thing within self-discovery and mastery and just self-awareness of understanding and actually loving yourself. Like this is self-love to me. It's understanding myself and unconditionally loving myself. I love that little part of me that somehow took in my family pointing and laughing as like you're messed up. I love that version of me. I'm not mad at her. I understood why she did that. That's self love to me. Mm -hmm. So to answer your question, therapy was definitely an aspect, but it wasn't even the biggest one. The biggest one was just such an unbelievable commitment to myself because mm. of that moment of her saying, I don't know who I am. I have been constantly, and I, I still don't have the answer. I think I have a better idea, but I don't have the answer. I've just been ever since she said that, which is right around the time I started therapy too, which is why it's correlated. I've just been trying to answer that question of like, who are you? Like mm. who really are you? You're not your name. You're not where you're from. You're not your lineage. You're not your heritage. You're not, You know, I would love to say like, "Oh, I'm asshole. I'm from Boston. That's why (laughs) I am." Right? That gave me an excuse to be this hard ass. I'm not that. Like, that's Mm. a superficial thing. And I think that when it comes down to answering who you are, I don't think you'll ever have the answer. Mm. I think that the process, which includes therapy and working out and journaling and spirituality and sleeping and not drinking for me, like whatever it may be, I think that answer maybe you'll know it right before you pass, but I don't think we'll ever really know. I think that we should be working towards becoming what we think we want to be mm. answer. And in that process, you will find out so much about yourself and I actually read it in one of my books this morning. It's like, we're like breathing puzzles. And I think that if you recognize that you can consciously work with your subconscious to put those puzzle pieces together in a way that you really enjoy it and you really love it and you trust it. There's Mm. a thing in, I forget what book I was reading about it in. Um, I think it's in Japan, possibly, and it has a fancy name. It's Eastern Asian, but um, it's like when they break a vase or like a glass or something, instead of throwing it out, they put the pieces back together and they use like a gold plating to do so. And through that, it becomes like a really sacred piece of art. Mm. And I think that we are so similar to that. And a lot of us are trying to hold these pieces back together because we think that if they fall apart, they can never be put back together. Mm. And because of that, we are scrambled and Mm. we're never whole. We're constantly scattered. We don't know who we are. We're scared of who we are and actually just put up a reel about it today. But like we think that going in our minds is going to be like going into the basement of like a criminal Minds episode where you hear a voice and there's like going to be a murderer down there. Mm -hmm. Like that's how we see mindset work and therapy and whatever, but it, it literally doesn't have to be that way. Like Mm -hmm. if you want it to be that way, sure. It can absolutely be that way, but you're able to just simply go in the basement with a flashlight and a crew that you really trust behind you, which is your internal community of voices mm. and have a flashlight. And instead of finding a murderer, you find this little white puppy that just wants to be loved mm. or like a golden retriever or whatever type of animal you just absolutely adore. Mm. Like, that's my outlook on it. That's the same outlook I have towards sobriety of like, it's not this dark and gloomy thing. Like, don't listen to people that try to tell you that to make you miserable to mm. again, justify not doing it make it fun. Make it feel yeah. like summer camp. Like it doesn't have to be like, it also doesn't have to be dark and gloomy. It also doesn't have to be like school of like, you have to do this. This is your to-do date. There's a deadline on your healing. Like, yeah, it's freaking summer camp. You're just making like gimp things and just like stupid paintings that your mom is going to be like, this is beautiful. And then like in a year probably throw out, like it's super chill and it doesn't have to be nuts. Right. And like scary. We need to stop mm-hmm. demonizing that self journey to put those pieces back together with our gold and just treat that process like freaking summer camp. And you will have such a beautiful blast of a time if you allow yourself to. Mm. And like, you know, you cry at summer camp too. Like summer camp isn't perfect. You're going to cry. You're going to stub your toe. It's going to be hard. You're not going to like what they're doing at sports that day. You don't want to play kickball. You want to (laughs) play capture the flag. Like there's going to be bumps in the road, obviously that's expected, but overall, you know, for me, I went to Pheasanton day camp and when I look back on it, I was like, yeah, it's a great time. It was like the best eight weeks of my whole year, every year. Did I have perfect days every day? No, obviously not. It's the same thing with your like self journey, the beginning. Like I look back on 2020 and I'm like, damn, like I really did that. That's Mm. crazy. And I'm going to look back on 2021 and just be like, like, we did that shit. Like we that's didn't. awesome. I'm not going to yeah. look back and be like, I was so sad and scattered, and uh, I don't choose to look at my life that way. Mm. I just don't choose to do it. I did that for 22 years, and so unbelievably miserable, and it achieves nothing in my right. life. Right.
0: Yeah. So- the commitment version that you said about that, I thought that was the most profound. Is you know, having, you know, we have commitments to our spouses and our kids and family members, but oftentimes we forget that aspect of ourselves being committed to who we are and who we want to become. So that was, that was beautiful. Um, We're getting close to uh, an hour here. I want to ask you, where can people find you? What is your coaching like?
1: Yes. So people can find me on Instagram. It's at chance wellness. And uh, I also have a podcast. It's actually been on a little bit of a hiatus, which will transition me into coaching because I have been making a course and the course is going to be the next department of coaching, which I'm really excited for. I have read a lot of books in my time. That's what I do with my free time. Now I read and I treat them like textbooks. Like I getting a degree in them is how I choose mm. to see them. Y'all listening can't see the video, but Lauren can see right here. I have like literally a billion books and yeah. I've read all of them. I love them so much. And I took the time to sit down and ask myself like, which of these like really like punched me in the gut? Like mm. which ones were the ones? Cause I've read over 60 and you know, it's like, am I going to tell someone like, Oh yeah, you'll be great. And like, you're going to love your life after these 60 books. Like that's probably not realistic. So I sat myself down and was like, how can I consolidate this and put my Mm. own little twist on it as maybe y'all have noticed i really love analogies because if i can see it and feel it i get it Mm. and you know like summer camp like most people understand summer camp it's good time so you can make those associations so within putting the twist on all the different books and content in there and consolidating them i like to use a lot of different fun analogies i never want people to feel dark and gloom. I want you to feel excited. I like to tell my coaching clients that my job, which is like the best job in the world is to be Mrs. Frizzle. And I just have like a cool dress, crazy hair, my hoops. i have a lizard. I'm scared of lizards. I'm not scared of lizards, but I don't really like lizards, but I think I have to <laughs> get a lizard to play the part. But I like to say that like, listen, coaching, you're willingly getting on this bus. That's why in the intro, it's like, I held willing people because I refuse to drag people. I refuse mm. to drag myself. I am certain not going to drag people into coaching or into the course or even into a conversation or a relationship. Not mm. doing it. An energy vampire for me. So, within coaching, what that looks like is like I slow down the bus. And that means that we talk about what coaching could look like for you. We mm. go through a pretty heavy connect and serve process, which is where we connect and just chat, see if we vibe with each other, fill out an in depth form in which, like, what are your goals? What are your roadblocks? We really check on money because money. Isn't about the money. Money is about your mindset and it's super telling. It shows a lot. There's so much behind that door if you let it swing open. So I love talking through that. And then we go through an interview call, which is where you've been, where you're at, where you want to go. And Mm. from there, there's two different options. I either gift somebody a session so they can really feel the work of what we'll do together in the future, usually over six months. Or we'll just jump right to the blueprint call, which is where I take everything that we talked about and I put it into a Canva presentation and I show you what you've shown me. I consolidate it into what are your values, goals, outcomes, and vision. And what are the different steps of coaching? The six steps, the six months, what does that look like? We talk about Mrs. Frizzle in there. We also talk about Shrek. Like again, it's summer camp vibes. We're having a good time. So that's what one-on-one looks like. The course is going to be my baby it feels like the school project that i've never gotten to do and it has made me take a hiatus from the podcast because it was so much energetic work of like mm. like just constantly like channeling that into my freaking fingers to type on my computer and organize it and mm. do all the technology stuff on the back end and It's coming together so beautifully. I'm so unbelievably excited for it. The plan is to launch it on November 1st and there'll be kind of Mm. two different options within there. There will be the course that you can do solo on your own, do it on your own time. There will also be group coaching as an option. Mm. So you'll get the course and you do it on your own and then we'll have a weekly call to talk about it with a group of women. My goal is to have no more than 10 people in group coaching and we'll probably split that into two groups. So like groups of five, so that if we have an hour long call that means that everybody has around like 12 minutes to talk about that week for them. Mm. So you need to hold that space to reflect and allow your subconscious mind to come out through your throat. There is mm. so much power in simply talking, get mm. out of your head, start talking. Cause you break that pattern of your thoughts. And once you hear yourself say these things, you're like, Whoa, like I can't believe I just said that. I have so many clients that are like, and they blow their own mind. I don't even have to do anything. They're like, mm. wow, I cannot believe that just came out of my mouth. That's crazy. I need to take a minute to process. And I mm. just shut up. So I'm like, yeah, you do need to take a minute to process. And as long as you're thinking about these things, you never have that moment. That can happen through talking. It can also happen through journaling. Um, so well, yeah, exciting. that's kind of what it looks like. Also the podcast, the podcast is coming back very soon. I just need to get through the energetic.
0: I understand.
1: And- <laughs> so
0: on and- your
1: a good time too
0: sorry what was the last thing you said the I last
1: thing once the course i have one kind of group coaching round under my belt i'm going to be opening a monthly membership so it'll be a really low ticket inexpensive option probably one coaching call group coaching call a month and with a workbook and a community so then that way everybody has a place there will be like super low ticket then the course which is a little bit bigger and then the course plus group coaching and then either bi-weekly one-on-one or weekly one-on-one for six months so trying to get the AT&T bars into my business. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I totally understand that. Oh my gosh. Well, it, um, so you said Instagram, they can, uh, will they be updated there? I'll show, share everything yes. in, the, um, in the show notes. So if they go to your website, click on your link above or under your profile, they'll be able to access this course.
1: Yes, mm-hmm. awesome. yeah. So it will be launching on November first. Actually, hired someone to make my website, which I'm super excited about. Decision delegation. I'm like, I don't want to do this, so I will totally. pay you to do it. Uh, and that will be happening soon. But yeah, Shan's Wellness on Instagram. The podcast is linked in the bio too. There's 30 episodes, I think, already. So you can listen to those, and then I'll get back into that too.
0: I love that. Well, thank you so much for sharing your journey with us. I hope this helps a lot of people on their journey, at least to pause and to be still and figure out what, what makes you, you. And, you know, like you said, it's a, it's a journey. We're constantly figuring that out. We're constantly evolving. So, um, if you are listening, you do love the show, please make sure that you leave a review. You take a screenshot of it, share it on your social media and tag shans wellness. And myself, we love to know what you pulled away from this episode and how you are going to apply it to your life. Thank you so much.
1: Thanks for having me. This was awesome.
0: Awesome. And you guys remember you got this.